0: Thanks for tuning in to this week of First Do No Harm. So if you don't know, this is a podcast that often brings controversial issues to the forefront to hopefully spread understanding. And in return, the world is a little bit kinder and that we stop harming our neighbors. We stop harming the people that we love and the people that we don't know. This week is a bit different because we're in the middle of a pandemic. So I thought that maybe we could dive into an area that a lot of people don't know. You hear about on the news, you hear about in your states, your counties. But the question is, what's really happening to our youth right now? How are they being educated it has been a vast change for students to go from the classroom to having to do online education so i brought in my husband who's a middle school math teacher so that we can talk to him and find out what are the challenges that have come about What are the good things that have come about? And in his opinion on how to safely go about educating in the future. But you have to remember, his wife is a nurse (laughs) working on the front lines in the middle of this pandemic. So he may be a little biased on the appropriate measures. So with no further ado, welcome to the podcast, Joe Henderson. So my guest today, if you have listened to any of the pandemic palate cleansers, dad jokes, you are very familiar with my husband, Joe. He is a teacher here in North Carolina. So of course, things have obviously changed a whole lot in the school system now that this pandemic has broken out. So he's going to shed some light on people who aren't involved with everything that's going on so that we know what it's like on a day-to-day basis for teachers and students so let's get started joe thanks for coming on a real episode that's not (laughs) centered around a whole lot of jokes which you're really good at but i think i've won every time
1: we haven't put the other one out yet so we're not sure if that'll that that's a, a win or not
0: oh well i still think i'm gonna win it so okay (laughs) um so you are a teacher you teach middle school
1: correct middle school math for seventh and eighth graders
0: how has it been for you since you've kind of had to cut back obviously you're not in the classroom anymore is it a tough thing for you to do like do you miss that interaction that you had with your kids
1: um the interaction with the kids yeah absolutely I have been able to do zoom conferences and Microsoft team conferences and conferences through our platform that Guilford County's given us. So the interaction's still kinda there. It's just not, you know, one on one and able seeing all my students' faces and and seeing the reactions to dumb jokes I have in class (laughs) and it it definitely has been a, a complete change to to everything. Now I will say this, I definitely had a little bit of an upper hand once this all started. I have one high school class that I teach to eighth graders that in previous years I had put all online and the kids just kind of went and did the entire the entire class pretty much in as fast or as slow as they wanted to. So it's been kind of easy, kind of an easy transition for me to put all these assignments online and kind of not so much help teachers out, but help I guess really, yeah, just help teachers out that are not used to doing the online learning and kind of giving them uh, a little bit of just uh, ideas and hints and little tips to to do while doing this online learning
0: so that 's very interesting because i 'm thinking back when I was in middle school gosh, 25 plus years ago, right? Um, So the teaching format's very different and I would have no idea unless I was a teacher or married to one. And I remember you talking to me about the way that you teach and because you have students prior to this whole pandemic, prior to this whole shelter in place and the coronavirus, The way that you educated your students, I felt like was very unique and it was a brilliant way to go about it. The school that you work for, they give you or they give the the students iPads, right, to use. So how did you teach math to students that maybe were faster at learning and or they were some that it took a little bit longer to get through to like it did me?
1: So I feel like that's changed just a little bit, especially here in Guilford County. We kind of went to a program that is is not, it's not built around people that learn fast or slow, it's more or less built around exploratory learning. And they're kind of given ideas of how to solve the math problems that are later on in the units, you know, we kind of give them at the beginning of the units, just different, I don't know, ideas of how they could come up with the ideas themselves of you know how to come up with the the math that we're trying to teach them. And then as you get later in the unit, it gets to the actual concept of how to solve a problem and, and whatnot. And I think that kind of changed once we went to this uh, virtual learning. It still followed the program that was given to us by Guilford County, but they were more or less taught how I would normally teach and, you know, give them a video, uh, give them practice problems, and then kind of assess them based off of what they what they learned from that video, the practice, and then let's see if they, they know it or not. I mean, I feel like that was, you know, back to the normal way of teaching. Um,
0: so what you're saying is when you were in the classroom, you would have a lesson and that the students were able to watch and learn the lesson, and if it took them multiple times, like with me, with studying for the MCAT and such, like I use Khan Academy a lot, and there's times where I have to like pause it, rewind it, go through my notes, and like work it out myself, which I feel like takes me a little bit longer than what the general population of people who would watch this uh, would take, So you use something very similar, right? So like kids could speed through it and then they would have work problems. Then they could talk to you about it. You could look and see if they are developing the concepts quickly. So So they got to learn at their own speed in a sort in your class and you were there to help them navigate through that.
1: So, yeah, definitely in the high school class. But as far as like when I taught regular eighth grade or regular seventh grade classes, they were. They were put into a, pretty much a workbook program that didn't really allow for rewind and pause and replay over again. Honestly, I think that's so, all right, let's rewind just a little bit. Um, the high school class got that opportunity, this, this Math 2 class that I teach. They got that opportunity in the past to watch a video, rewind it, pause it, play it, do practice problems, get assessed on it, and then move on to the next unit. When I teach a regular 7th grade and 8th grade class, they were put into workbooks that built on what we wanted them to have towards the end of the unit. So it would start off with what they learned in the previous year, and then they would build off of what they learned in the previous year, and it would get to what they needed for that year and what they needed for the, the years in, in the future. And that's what we were doing in school. We had those workbooks, we were working through the workbooks, you know, a lesson at a time, a lesson each day. And now that we've been in virtual learning, now they're kind of in my my Math 2 program where they're in videos and being able to rewind, play, pause, and able to kind of take notes on how to do it and then reference those videos when they go and do the practice or when they go do their assessments, that they're able to kind of go back and do all that. Um, So I think, honestly, I feel like, for me, I feel much more comfortable teaching this way. Very virtual, very just not so much hands-on or be in front of the classroom, but more or less as a facilitator and answering questions to students that um, are are confused about something. And I honestly think that since we've been doing virtual learning, it's been great to it's been great for students that don't normally ask the questions in front of a class because they may have high anxiety. They actually get a chance now and email me and, hey, you know, can we do a, a video chat and, and see what I'm doing wrong here? Um, so I think that this way has been amazing. And, you know, I, you know, I'm all for virtual learning. I do miss the interaction. I feel like that's the biggest component right now um, is missing that interaction with, with the students.
0: And you also coached, right? Yeah,
1: and I think that that was probably be my other biggest part too. Is missing right now is we you know we were supposed to have a baseball season this year, and we played one game. And even though we won it, it was still undefeated
0: hard to, season. Yeah. Congratulations!
1: <laughs> even though we had won that game, it was still hard to let go of that that team. Um, it's always hard to let go of a team that you've kind of built yourself and wanted to see how successful that team would do that year and now it's just like okay well now we build off of what we we kept from this year to next year's team if there's even a next year's team
0: right all right so let's go through a little bit of the mindset and the things that changed when you when all of this first started and they decided that you were not going to go back to school right away what was the time frame that you guys were not going to go back to school so they said uh we're going to do this whole distance learning for X amount of time. What was the initial amount of time? Was it one think, week, two weeks? I think weeks? it was,
1: so we, our last day in school was March 13th. I think, I think the first guidelines were, I want to say April 30th. Like that was the deadline of, I think for the entire state, according to our governor, that.
0: And your state's we, North Carolina. Just right, to yeah. throw that governor out there. Governor Cooper.
1: Yeah. So, and I, and like, so, I think April 30th was the cutoff for, you know, our first trial run of everything. And it may have been even sooner than that, to be honest with you.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and then May 15th, we got the other, we got the next thing that the governor was saying that, hey, you know, we'll keep May
0: 15th is tomorrow.
1: Right, right. I know, yeah. Yeah. And then... I think two or three weeks ago, the governor came back out and said, hey, schools will stay closed until, you know, for the rest of the school year, which made sense to me because that was only going to be 14 more days for us Mm -hmm. anyway. Um, And that made absolute sense for me that, you know, especially for Guilford County, who had schools that were ending June 5th, you know, 14 days wasn't going to make a difference, especially when the kids had been doing this virtual learning for what, two, two months to all of a sudden ask them to come back for 14 more days I thought was kind of silly but you know we don't we don't think especially Guilford County we don't think that you know there's other schools out there that are in school until the following week June what 12th that's now another whole week that those guys would be missing so so yeah that was that was the first thing that we were told was I think it was either April or May or something that we were told that that was how long it was going to last and then then we just got word that it was going to be till the end of the school year.
0: And do you feel like that's you personally? Uh, do you feel like that's a safe choice for right now, with extending it through the end of the school year?
1: Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah, I I completely feel. I completely agree with what Governor Cooper's done for the state of North Carolina and and his um, Department of Education leader. Yeah, I feel like the end of the school year is, is exactly what need to happen you know I've kind of said to different parents too that I've talked to that I honestly feel like January 2021 would be even you know a better um a better time for us to be closed and and down um until that vaccine is out for this coronavirus honestly I don't feel like putting teachers in school till till everyone's vaccinated just like the kids who come into seventh grade for our county have to have the tdap uh vaccine mm-hmm. or shot but i mean the, the tdap
0: period. really protects them a lot against like if they step on rusty nails or right like tetanus yeah. and yeah 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 and but pertussis. They need to
1: come, yeah but they need to come in with that and, i mean it's just like college students that need to come in with their meningitis vaccine before they come and in hepatitis the, yeah they need to come in with those before they come into into the school so i, I can't see why they would would not do something like that until everyone's completely safe, like 100% safe.
0: Let's talk about the potential of coming back in the fall. This is a big like if, big if in quotation marks. If they were to come back in the fall, what are some guidelines that people are in the school district, superintendents, governors, things like that. Like what rumors have you heard that people are throwing around right now? Because I know personally that you have, teachers have a very large classroom size and students are certainly not sitting six feet apart from each other. I mean, how many students do you normally have? What, what's your largest class size?
1: 33
0: 33 to one teacher yeah and you have no assistant in that class no oh my gosh okay so do your students sit six feet apart oh no No. oh no okay let's live in a hypothetical world they want to open schools up what changes do you personally as a teacher see that would have to be implemented so you said the vaccine would be a very safe choice that students would have to have before returning to school. What are some other things that you would see if it, if it happens before January?
1: I've just heard like just around the, the entire country, I've seen schools that are thinking about alternate weeks. Um, half the student population comes on like an A week. I know we have at mm-hmm. our school an a, B, an a week and a B week. So half the, the student population would come on like an A week, do their class with that teacher, with those teachers, and then they would go and be home for the next week. I've heard same kind of concept, A-weeks and B-weeks. Um, A-week students would come in. B-week, the people that were in A-week will do virtual learning on B-week, and that way no time is really lost. And and B-week students would be doing the exact same thing. So half the class would be in front of you, half the class would be learning through a computer. And I think that's that's one way. Honestly, I, I I feel like especially since this, this virus really hasn't affected children yet. And I know there's another there's another virus or syndrome that's out right now that is attacking kids. hmm mm-hmm. um, that's kind of like corona, but it's it's
0: also similar to what's called Kawasaki
1: okay. disease. Um, but yeah,
0: it's it's uh it's from the coronavirus. Right. So you're exactly right
1: if, even if you're putting students into our school and you sit them six feet away, there's nowhere in the world that kids are going to want to stay six feet away from each other when they're in the hallways and Mm -hmm. walking around. It's just not possible. Teenagers are going to act like teenagers. They're going to want to interact with their friends. You know, it's just, it's, it's really, really like just crazy, not crazy, but just trying to figure this out. Whoever sure. comes up with a great plan for this is going to win some kind of noble prize <laughs> because it it really is just something extravagant that we've never really ever faced before.
0: What yeah. about mask? Is that a potential thing for students? Do you perceive that? I mean, I know you can't, and, and all of this is, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there. Every single bit of this is a hypothetical, like what you personally See, could potentially happen, or your personal beliefs of what would be beneficial. Not, it doesn't reflect any school system, any county, any anything that's going on. But you, as a teacher, what you personally think and believe, married to a nurse and knowing the virus firsthand. So, what what about the math situation? Is that something that you could see that students would be required to use in the future, especially initially whenever they go back to school?
1: Okay. There's, there's two two things to, to the mask part. One, it's going to cost, I think I heard a number of like $1.5 million.
0: Just for your county.
1: Just for our county alone to get masks for the students. They haven't said if those are going to be reusable or they're going to be, mm. you know, they're going to have mask every single day for the kids to come in, brand new ones. If they're reusable, it's gonna be the same thing that nurses are gonna have to face or are, are facing right now with, you know, those masks don't last that long. And, you know, if you come in contact with it and it happens to get on that mask, it can be easily transferred to your hands. And and let's let's really think about this for a second. Teenagers and adults all together, we don't always wash our hands. Now I know it's gotten better with this with this virus, but as teenagers, are we really thinking, are they mm-hmm. really thinking, do I, oh, I need to wash my hands right now because, you know, I touched the front of my mask. I, I think the other thing that we all have to think about, too, is, you know, how are students going to eat? You know, we're all going to be in a cafeteria where they're going to have to eat and they're going to have to take off those masks. Well, at any time while they're in the cafeteria, they could cough and all of a sudden, oh, oh, no, we, we might have a spread between, in the school because some ca- kid just coughed. hmm so how do how do we eat how do we how do we let the kids go to the water fountain and get something to drink without it being spread how many masks are going to be distributed to the entire school are they going to be reusable are they going to be have to be used every single day that they have to come in and and even if even if they have to use it every single day that's that and they're alternating weeks like we discussed in the previous question that's still 90 to 95 days that the students will be using that one mask. Mm. What happens if they lose the mask? Are they going to be able to replace it?
0: Because realistically, we're talking about kids. Right. I mean, exactly. I'm not a super responsible adult a lot of times with keeping up with things, so I can only imagine as a kid. I, <laughs> I remember if you ever asked my mom, she would, so I played saxophone in the band in middle school and high school. And we would get me getting ready to leave. And she's like, Jamie, you don't have your sacks. Like, go grab your sacks. So I would pick it up and I would go and I would put my shoes on and set it down by the door. I would get to school and then it would be close to band practice. And I would r- realize I left my saxophone at home and I would have to call my mom and she would have to drive my sacks all the way up to school. So yeah, I mean, kids, this is a very flimsy, disposable, it's not like it's their cell phone, you know, like they don't keep it on their person. It's not, it's not a material item that they're used to having to keep up with. And then you have to think if it's something they have to use for an extended period of time then unfortunately the schools are going to have to have repercussions that are associated with not having your mask because it's going to cost the school more money to be able to provide those things. It's tough. So tell us, since you have been on shelter in place and not able to go to school, what does a normal day in a middle school teacher look like? A normal work day. What does your day look like?
1: Post- uh, assignments on our platform in school and post announcements so students know exactly where to go for their assignments and then from there it's kind of you know I've I've made Microsoft team sessions for hour hour and a half 2 hours where kids can pop in and ask me questions during the day to if they're confused about something or if they just want interaction. I've I've met so many students that just don't have any questions for me. They just want interaction with other than their parents, and I feel like all of, you know the teachers that I've worked with and have had communication with, you know, I feel like they've all done the exact same thing. They've all done some kind of video conferencing. So leaving open sessions, leaving these Microsoft team sessions and conference calls on our, our platform that we have. and then from there, it's, you know, it's more or less at the end of the day. Uh, I'm, checking, I'm checking Class Dojo to see if any parents are messaging me about problems. Uh, I'm checking my email constantly to see if, if parents or administrators or other teachers are just constantly emailing each other. And then from there, it's it's more or less checking the assignments to see if they're completed or not and to see what students are working and what students are not working. And I would say that would be it. I mean, and with the exception of Thursdays where I actually get interaction with the the people I teach with, my seventh grade teachers and my eighth grade teachers, my math teachers. Other than that, it's kind of, you know, and the every now and then staff meeting that we have. The interaction between teachers is pretty much through email and the rare occasion Microsoft Teams meeting or staff meeting that we have.
0: Since you're talking about the interaction with teachers. I know. Before this whole coronavirus thing really took off, you were the social coordinator of your whole school, right? Like you were supposed to get everybody together to do things in the school for faculty, right? Mm-hmm. Like every every month that was on your to-do list to find something new and fun for people to do together to bond, right? Yeah, like a team yeah. building thing. That was your role. Yep. Have you done anything since the whole quarantine has taken off to do that? I'm sure that's challenging.
1: So, we did a Zoom bingo, music bingo through the decades, and we had about 20 teachers.
0: Wow, 20 teachers!
1: and that's um, more
0: than you had normally show up yeah, for one <laughs> and, that's, and that's not
1: to say anything bad about the teachers that didn't show up I feel like this was more of a a comfort zone thing for people to do not a lot of people are able to just get up and go and go to mm-hmm. the the different um events that we had here in in Guilford County
0: right and, they have kids themselves right and exactly they have responsibilities that they can't just leave
1: yeah and I felt like this was this was a good way of keeping that social interaction with everybody but also give them kind of a, a fun thing to do with with everybody. So there's one more I think probably still in the works that we'll probably do next week or maybe the week of Memorial Day to kind of end it and and kind of go towards the end of the year.
0: Did it go over well? Was it fun?
1: Oh, yeah, I thought it was. I think everybody else enjoyed it. I think I think a lot of it was it was funny to see we had really young teachers who are just out of college and we have some older teachers that are that have been teachers for a long time. So I started off with the eighties, the nineties, the two thousands to two thousand tens. It was funny when we got to the two thousand tens about the teachers that didn't know the music that was coming out that Thankfully, didn't
0: know the music? Did not really yeah <laughs>
1: um so it, it was funny how the entire group of teachers kind of helped each other out i know there was definitely a few teachers that were singing every song every <laughs> every single song. And were you one of them i was not um, um and
0: except for when journey was played i bet you did no i don't
1: know what song i sang there was a few that i sang but not okay a lot. But it was fun just to see how the teachers interacted with other with each other to like help them out of, oh, hey, you know, what was that song? I don't I don't recognize that one. Mm-hmm. And they were just helping each other out to, to try and get bingo and whatnot. Um, and they
0: probably can't use Shazam like they could at other places that offered music bingo because it was online.
1: Yeah, yes and no. I mean, they could still probably hear the music through their speakers on their on their computer. Um so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Suzanne probably helped out a little bit maybe, but I feel like a lot of the – I feel like I picked popular ones enough that uh, teachers were able to figure out what song it was or at least a few of them. that way we could figure out which – have, have everybody figure out which song it was.
0: Well, that's cool. So uh, just a couple more questions. Um, getting back to teaching in the students, what do you think has been the most problematic – situation for kids to be in to have to convert to this distance learning that the whole country is having to do right now. What, what do you think has been really hard for these students and the families?
1: I think it's the resources. Man you would like to think that by that and by now by 2020 every every Parent and every student and every family has uh, internet access or access to a computer. Or well, it
0: costs money, and right, so yeah, not everyone has yeah. enough money to pay for that every month.
1: And and that's just that's just it. Um, I think the biggest thing is, um, I think the internet access was the biggest resource that was the killer. Um, Did your
0: county do anything to help out with that?
1: So we were told in the beginning that Spectrum was supposed to be putting out hotspots and we had heard AT and I think I just saw a commercial about AT&T doing the exact same thing about putting hotspots out there. Um, And once we got interaction with the parents around late March, beginning of April um, about those resources, I felt like the internet access problem may have went away. Oh, good. um, Which was great. And I think our administration did a great job with making sure every student had a computer as well. Um, we were all given,
0: wow.
1: we were all given ThinkPads or these Lenovo Lenovo uh, Yoga ThinkPads about five years ago, and uh, we had enough for every student. And we we made a big push once this all started to contact parents. Hey, do you have everything you, that you need? Do you, do you have a computer? Do you have internet access? If not, let us know. Um, we'll try and help you out as much as we possibly can. I know my principal and assistant principals and office staff were were there right on. I guess uh, what was it that Monday after we were we were dismissed of a line of parents just going out of the school into our parking lot of just parents that were coming by to get all their kids stuff out of their lockers. And then also telling us, Hey, we don't have access to a computer. Mm. We don't have internet access. How can you help us? And we just had laptop carts that were just pushed into wow. the office and just handed out to charging cords and everything and said, Hey, here's, here's your computer for, for the time being, this, this is how you're going to be able to do all your, your classes and whatnot. So all that was done in the, in the, middle of March, uh, beginning of April, uh, all that was done for all of our students. And I think the, the next problem we kind of fell in line with was, okay, we still have a lot of kids that have parents that are essential workers mm-hmm. and aren't there to supervise the, the students' learning. Or Which is the, a
0: double-edged sword. I right. mean, th- uh, it's such a great thing that they're able to continue to work during this time, but they weren't counting on not having childcare or not having someone to be able to help guide their child in learning and just the whole life processes at home right now.
1: And I think, I think that was the next problem we fell on was, okay, now we gave them internet access. We gave them a tablet or a a laptop to use. How, how are we going to get the parents involved and make sure that students are are, are doing the work, and I think the county came up with i i think a great great idea you know starting April twentieth we were given every teacher was given five to seven concepts that students needed to know before they moved on to the next the next grade and i think when they came out with those concepts every every grade level at least for math I thought was aligned perfectly for exactly where we left off at March 13th and where we needed to have the kids, especially for each math class, where they needed to be for next year. So the the kids and the parents have been kind of told, Hey, you know, do all the assignments. If you do all the assignments, then, you know, you're good for the fourth marking period and you'll receive a grade of passing. Um, and what they've kind of told us is, all right, Hey, you know, Kids that don't do it, don't do anything, you know, they'll have a grade of withdrawal from the county, which kind of means that it doesn't mean they fail. Let me make sure that that's on the top of my list here. They don't fail. They're just given extra time to do the assignments, which is kind of telling us that they have the summer to do all these assignments. So, it was a I think it's a great idea that that's where they're going with it I'm hoping that more kids get logged in here the next the last three weeks of school and start doing assignments because I really hope that none of them want to do any of the assignments over the summer I think that once we start and we continue to make parent communication as individual teachers making sure that they that parents know what the quote-unquote consequence is for for not doing any of these assignments I really hate using the word consequence too because honestly we're we're making sure that these students are prepared for next year. If you really think about it, 8th graders left off when we were halfway through all of the units for 8th grade, which means they're halfway prepared for math 1, which is crazy to me because that means they have they're not prepared for the next math class. So it is it's, it's I hate I, and I hate the, the the consequence for this, but at the same time, if they get put in Math One next year as a freshman and don't have every concept from the eighth grade, are they really going to understand that one semester of Math One that they are in that they got put in for for their freshman semester? And unfortunately, the answer is going to be no. They're not ready.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and what's going to happen then? They're they're going to fail. Unfortunately, for some, for some students, they're, they're not going to be prepared enough for math one and they won't pass that one semester of math one. So they end up doing math one all over again in their second semester of freshman year if they have it in the fall. So what's the consequence? What's the worst consequence of the two evils? Having to do with the assignments over the summer for eighth grade to make sure you are ready and exposed to the material from eighth grade to make sure you're ready for math one or doing math one two times in a row, whether it be fall and spring semester of your freshman year, or spring your freshman year and fall your sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And then you're behind the eight ball. You're doubling up in math your sophomore year just to try to catch up. So what's the worst consequence? To do, to do summer school, quote unquote summer school, or to do math one twice? Right. And I've heard from the county that there may be bridges to math one or bridges to math two or bridges to math three, like bridges, bridge courses so that they are ready for math one. And maybe that is what the summer course is. It's the, it's not the making up of my assignments. It's the the bridge course so that they're really ready for math one. And I hate to say that they'd be forced to take that, but gosh, I I just can't imagine walking into math one on the first day of school if we're in school even if they're in virtual learning i can't imagine going into math one and not doing anything since march 16th
0: but one idea that they're throwing around correct me if i'm wrong is potentially uh extending the school year thinking that a couple weeks somewhere in the midst of it beginning in whatever could help students or, and you're like, like you're saying too, even summer school could help bridge those issues that people are having. I mean, everything's so up in the air right now with how to help people and these kids be prepared and have the best potential to succeed in the coming year.
1: Well, when I think what, what has been put out by, Pretty sure Governor Cooper and the Department of Education is starting all schools August seventeenth, which is two weeks prior to when we would normally start.
0: Wow! Meaning,
1: <laughs> meaning the teachers would start really August tenth, um, and students would start August seventeenth. I know, as teachers, we've all kind of talked about this. Two weeks is is not going to make a difference for. Uh, Two weeks is just, it's not enough time. And I I don't want to say, hey, let's start August 1st. I I don't, I'm not saying that at all. Yeah, I don't
0: want you to say that either because it's my birthday. (laughs) And yours is two days later.
1: I don't want to, I don't want to start the school year any earlier, but there has to be a better solution than starting two weeks earlier. And I, I don't know what that solution is because you, you honestly can't, you can't force a kid to do summer school. You just can't because the same problems are going to come up with what we just did for virtual learning. They're, they're not going to be in a classroom. They're not going to have to go to school. They're going to have to do everything virtually. And if they weren't doing it while school was in session, why in the world would Mm -hmm. they want to do
0: it over the summer? And I feel like this is a very um, sensitive time. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So it's not like it's a situation that, oh, this kid just didn't learn and they need to do summer school. There are things that are happening to kids. Family members are getting sick or family members may have lost their job and they just can't focus, right? Like they, they can't put in the effort to really guide their children the way that they should and understandably with what they're having to deal with mentally. And it's just a very sensitive time for all of the variables, all of the factors that people are experiencing, in my personal opinion. So I, I appreciate that the school system is really throwing so many things at the wall to see what sticks and that they're even taking your opinion, you teachers, to see what you think and what you feel would be beneficial to the kids that you work with every single day prior to this pandemic taking off. Another question that I have for you is I want to know what has been some of the highlights? Like what, what have been, what's been the good parts that has really made you smile during this whole pandemic and having to teach virtually?
1: It's, it's a, a little bit of the surprise factor and, and not even so much the surprise factor, um, but for me, three out of my four classes, I would say seventy-five to eighty percent of the students were logging on and doing their assignments as asked, um, which was great. I was mm-hmm. shocked with the number there. Just seventy-five to eighty percent of three out of my four classes were getting on and doing assignments on a daily basis. Um, what that says to me is that they either have individual motivation and they want to succeed for themselves or they have parents that are motivating them at home by, Hey, you can't play video games until you're done all your work. You know, I, one of my students just told me that the other day on a, on a video chat, Hey, I can't do any video games until I'm done all my work. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's a really great motivational piece for, for that parent that they kind of keep the video games locked down until their kid's done all their work. And that has seemed to be, be such a motivational piece for, for parents and to, to make sure that their students are, are doing all their work. I think the other thing that I am extremely happy about is the way that teachers have come together and communicated more about what different ideas and different hints and tips they could use uh virtually Um, i know at the beginning of this process uh, i think one of my teachers one of the teachers in eighth grade suggested putting up a a section for teachers only in our platform to just give everybody hints or tips or 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 whatnots to to help them out and so i created that that portfolio for teachers to just comment in and invited all the, the teachers into to comment. And within the first week, it exploded. It just like mm. took off. Um, and, you know, I appreciate that teacher given the, the the suggestion. All it had to do was, you know, plug and play for me. Like I just went in and went in and just went and did it. And so I think that was huge that, that to see just teachers coming together and taking different ideas from each other rather than individually do their own thing i think a lot of teachers are kind of set in their ways about how they do their things in the classroom and and if it works for them it works for them it's it's great and then you know but i think when we came to this individ- when we came to this virtual learning i think a lot of people kind of just talked about how they were going to go about this and if somebody's plan sounded great then then i think a lot of people followed that and it was really beneficial to, to kind of see that because now, you know, especially for me, I was, I got lucky this year and was able to be on the seventh grade math team and the eighth grade math team, you know, interacted with all those teachers. And I feel like I took both. I took, took what I gave to the seventh grade teachers and I took what I gave to the eighth grade teachers and made sure we were almost all on the same page. That way, if we are in virtual learning next year, those students that are coming to us from seventh to eighth grade will kind of already have an idea of what their expectations are. Um, And I kind of felt like the seventh and eighth grade math teachers were all on the same, same boat. We were all on the same page. We all had, you know, kind of the same idea. Hey, this is what I'm going to do on, on this day. Here's my next thing to do. And then we're going to do this. And I think we all kind of followed that into some extent. We all kind of said, Hey, you know, how about a video here on this day, practice on this day, and an assessment on the next day? I think that that kind of followed suit through, I hope, both seventh and eighth grade math teachers. But there's some kind of variance to it. There's some kind of variation so that the expectations for next year, if we're in virtual learning again, it won't be such a hard transition for the seventh graders going into eighth grade, or eighth grade and and I hope. That whatever the high school is doing with their their learning concepts, uh, it's got to it's hopefully got to be the same thing. If if not, a little bit, a little bit more complex because they are going into high school.
0: So, if you could offer one bit of encouragement to your students, to your teachers, to the world, what do you think that you would tell them?
1: um, this could have possibly been the best worst scenario that could have happened to teachers for our older teachers it gave them a chance to work with technology Mm -hmm. for our younger teachers it gave them a sense of stress and anxiety that they would have to face in a classroom on a normal basis anyway so I feel like this pandemic gave everybody a just kind of an eye-opener mm-hmm. to, to every different possibility, possible thing that could go wrong in a classroom. This is the worst thing that could have happened. If you can get through this, you will be able to get through anything as a teacher.
0: And so far from what I know and what I've heard from you, and I'm friends with a lot of your teacher friends, and from what I know as an outsider, Uh, You guys have all risen above in this whole situation. Like it's been a whole Phoenix thing that you have come from the ashes and you've really been there for your students and you've helped to encourage, you have helped to educate and you guys like you've stayed the course no matter what's been thrown at you. All right. All right. All right, Teacher Joe, one last thing before I let you go. Because you have been a little constant person or a big constant person on my pandemic palette cleansers. End on one of your favorite dad jokes. Oh no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Give us a good dad joke to end on.
1: Oh, I'm sure I'm doing the one that you do whatever you want to. I showed you one this morning from TikTok. Why was the math teacher late to school?
0: This is terrible, guys. This is, I'm so sorry he chose this one. Why? Why was the math teacher late to school?
1: Because they took the wrong bus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, on that, thank you for taking the time to let everybody know what it's like in the life of a teacher and the students for those of us who are on the outside of this because we're all curious. We all hear rumors and it's so nice to know firsthand. I appreciate you. I appreciate all of your teacher friends and the teachers across America for really being flexible and rolling with everything that's coming and for you guys to continue to be there for your students in any way possible. Our entire country is so thankful for you and we're so grateful for you and just, Stay strong, stay healthy, and uh, keep up the hard work. We appreciate you. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you guys are staying healthy and you're staying strong. Go look up first, do No Harm on all your social media platforms. And if you have anything that you want to hear about, make sure you get in touch with me and I will be happy to find an expert in the category and we can cover it and shed some light on it. So anyways, you know how to get in touch with me. I look forward to hearing from you. Make sure you like this. Make sure you share it. Make sure you send a comment on it. And I will talk to you again soon. And thanks again for listening to this week's episode of First Do No Harm.